YTO, a podcast that aims to share the experiences of PT BIPOC youth in navigating Toronto's sexual health and wellness resources. Through storytelling and dialogue, this podcast hopes to highlight the lack of information, the barriers to accessibility, and the lack of representation of QT BIPOC communities in our mainstream healthcare system. For today, we actually have two guests. We have the lovely Eugenio Ochoa and Antu Hossein. Both of these ladies met while working in the gender equality space. Eugenia has a background in community engagement, while Antu has a, her background in global health. Together, they co-founded Spectrum, a holistic virtual space for sexual health and wellness. They're working to connect multi-allied sexual health providers with diverse communities, mobilize resources, and co-create healthcare that is inclusive and transparent for everyone. They're also the winners of the Best Social Economic Impact Solution and Public Choice Awards at Cooperthon 2020, the largest social innovation competition in Canada. So please welcome Eugenia and Antu to today's episode. I was curious if you'd like to talk um, about yourselves a little bit more, your background and the reasons why you're like, hey, we should talk about sexual health and wellness. Okay, I, I can go ahead. Uh, this is Eugenia. Uh, and thanks, Hannah, for having us um, on this podcast. It's been really great uh, to discover that there's an entire community that really cares about this issue, uh, like we do. And as we've gone through the process of talking about sexual health, sharing our own lived experiences, um, the community has surfaced. Uh, and so it's been great, uh, lovely to be here, and we'll be listening to all of your other guests uh, moving forward. Uh, I'm an immigrant to Canada. I moved here uh, about eight years ago from El Salvador. And so that has informed the way I navigate uh, the, the sexual health and healthcare space in general. Um, from before I, I even came here, uh, you know, uh, growing up in El Salvador in a a pretty religious community and a community that's um, uh, to some degree quite conservative, uh, The uh, to talk about sexual health is difficult. Even to this day, it's a bit awkward. You know, within my family, uh, it's something that's uh, difficult to um, to share uh, openly and honestly about. Um, you know, my uh, grandma's idea of sexual education is be careful having sex, miha. You never know, right? So it's tough. It's a difficult topic, um, and it's something that we're not all uh, sort of comfortable with. Um, moving to Canada um, and how we kind of landed on this topic is having these conversations with Antu. Um, it was hard to find, first of all, a family doctor to find, you know, health care that uh, um, agrees with me or, or that I feel safe in, uh, that I feel. Um, I can share um, openly and honestly how I'm feeling. Um, I've had to, you know, move doctors multiple times, and that's really um, not helped <laughs> with the trust uh, built. And so, um, also being an immigrant and not having uh, the the right networks, not you know um, uh, having that family doctor because I'm new to the space. Um, I've moved uh, different places around Canada as well. Um, so it, it's been an uprooting and it's been difficult to find um, uh, my place and, and a provider that I really trust, um, given, you know, my experience. So that's kind of how I come to this issue. Um, and Anto, I'll let you uh, share uh, about yourself and perhaps we can share a bit later um, how we come together uh, to this topic and how Spectrum came about. 
how we uh, exploded together um, and created some magical things. Uh, thank you so much, Hannah, and as well as Open Wide TO for having us. Um, my name is Antu uh, Hossein, and uh, I am a first generation Bangladeshi Canadian. Um, I came here around 14 years ago, um, but before that I was living uh, as an immigrant as well uh, in the United States. So, you know, uh, the migrant story is one of those stories where you are often displaced um, in different ways and spaces. Uh, mm. So you are always looking for that community and you are always looking for the knowledge and tools to be your own advocate because the only thing you can control um, when everything around you changes. So I think coming with that uh, headspace, that's kind of how I grew to, to be uh, someone who eventually studied uh, public health. Uh, so my background uh, is public health and, I, and I've worked at the clinical level um, in policy and quite a quite a variety of places from remote Canadian health in Labrador cities. So shout out to my amazing family over there, to at the international spaces. And what I consistently saw is health inequities exist everywhere, um, and they can't all be solved uh, with one magic bullet. It requires so many many efforts, policy level, or with health promotion. Um, and this is what drove me uh, really ultimately to approach someone like Eugenia one day and and share what I found really disturbing. So, um, which is the fact that so many of us, even someone like myself who should have technically the language and tools to navigate the healthcare system, still feeling like I don't. Um, and that's a problem. If I am if I am this person and I and I still don't have the tools, then I can only imagine what it is like for others. Um, and this is where I think uh, the sexual health and wellness conversation began because it's come from our personal experiences. It's come from the fact that my family doctor is my mother's doctor. Um, and she is an elderly, uh, more elderly South Asian woman who's fantastic for my mom, uh, but maybe not so much for me. And like Eugenia, just trying to get another family doctor that you click with, you're so afraid of losing the one you have um, that, you know, I've, I've just wouldn't access the healthcare system. I wouldn't ask the questions I needed to. Definitely not around sexual health and wellness. Definitely not. What if it got back to my mom, even though I fully know patient <laughs> confidentiality is a thing, yeah. but the fear, the fear, um, but very similar story to Eugenia that I am also the eldest. Um, I've had to figure a lot of things out on my own. And I found that if I didn't have someone who knew everything around sexual health and wellness, who was a friend of mine, um, then I would still be at a loss because I felt like the information out there wasn't allowing my experience to be seen. So I've also raised Muslim. I've got values that tie me to not particularly openly talking about sex um, out loud, definitely not with my parents, not within my community. Um, and I also saw that a lot of other uh, fellow femmes particularly were struggling. Friends I know who would find, even if they had the tools and language, that they weren't getting their illnesses diagnosed properly. Mm -hmm. Like, what would it take for our stories to be believed, but then also for us to be seen. And so with all these anecdotes and the power of the community stories, we felt um, we felt really excited to build what we have now. So uh, I'll hand it over, Eugenia, if you want to share like 
the moment it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think uh, before we jump into Spectrum, we met uh, in Mm -hmm. the gender equality and international development space. So, uh, you know, we both have a background in nonprofit, um, as you heard, and to in global uh, health. And um, for me, uh, I've been doing community research and community engagement work for a number of years. So it feels like this beautiful combination of all that like we've uh you know been on on these different paths and journeys and and we've come to this intersection uh in our lives uh and our pathways um and yeah i think spectrum is a beautiful um culmination mm-hmm. or, or start perhaps the start of a beautiful journey uh, for sure yes exactly um the reason uh, why spectrum was born is because we decided to join um, Cooperaton, the largest social innovation competition in Canada. Um, and we started off uh, as a way to learn, as a way to explore, make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, and we knew from our conversations together that um, the topic that we really wanted to bring to the table was around sexual wellness um, and sexual health and our experiences and the gaps that we saw around that. Um, you know, in this competition, we saw a thousand other ideas or specifically, I think we we had another 130 or so projects uh, that were um, ranging around the environment, um, other uh, health issues, um, um, isolation. You know, it was the height of the pandemic yeah. um, uh, as well. So there were there was a lot, you know, uh, of innovations that that were happening. Um, but this is something that uh, was a gap. I think we were the only group really talking about uh, sexual wellness. And so that exploration uh, became, uh, a, a, it was a marathon <laughs> to design, you know, to design and to uh, make sure that this is a problem. We, we went on a journey to validate, um, is this something that only we are experiencing? Um, is this a barrier that, you know, is specific to us? Or is this something that is affecting um, folks, um, not just, uh, you know, in our bubbles, in our communities, uh, but around the GTA, um, around uh, Ontario and, and Canada. So, Antu, would you like mm-hmm. to talk about that validation process and how we spoke to providers as well? Yeah, no, for sure. I think what's interesting is we know that sexual health and wellness um, as a space, as a health concept component, there's a lot of barriers to entering that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've identified just based on the anecdotal experiences we've shared that a lot comes from the fact that the information we are seeing right now online, however you are consuming it, is often quite medical. It often doesn't really share, okay, but then what do I do with that medical information? Mm-hmm. How would it actually relate to the experience of me being who I am with my identity going into an OBGYN's office for the first time who I've never met and having a very vulnerable test (laughs) being taken, right? So I think I hear right because exactly, like these are, (laughs) we know that the knowledge and awareness piece was a huge gap, but then we also found that once you're there, let's say once you maybe even got so lucky to have an appointment, what keeps you there? What keeps you in the sexual health and wellness space? And what enables you to wanna keep learning 
more and more. It's often, and it always comes back to this, whether it's the work you do, whether it's anywhere you go, it's the people, it's the people that stick. So how do you build trust within a healthcare system is what we were trying to grapple with. How do I trust that the person who is sitting across from me, uh, this OBGYN for instance, is going to hear my story, my experiences, and meet me where I'm at. I may not be the one with all the tools and language, but I need to know that, frankly, a healthcare system in many in many ways, which displaces us, it moves us around, it bumps us around from doctor to this person to specialist to, uh, and we're left with little advocacy on our end. Um, and so we found that those are the two gaps, knowledge and awareness, but also just the inclusivity within the care system. Then we started doing our research as well. I mean, we knew we validated the problem based on many friends, um, many living experiences we've heard from our very own. And then this was around October 2020, so only two months ago, um, where we just Googled sexual health clinics in Toronto. 50% of the sexual health clinics were closed at that time. To to see something like that um, just shows how many people would be intimidated, would be thrown off and think, oh, if my problem is not urgent, then I may as well not access this care. And so that led us to be like, how can we bring a community together? How can we build community knowledge together? Because we're not just trying to figure out more medical information. like. That, that's out there. Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure out how does that information apply to me and how can I use that as a, a set of tools in my toolbox to be my own advocate? Because let's face it, the healthcare system, no matter how much we're trying, um, it's glacial in the way it moves. And we know that we can't wait for it to keep up with us. We need to be our own advocates. And so that is really where we thought, why not build community-led knowledge? Why not also maybe bring in providers who allow um, allow clients like ourselves to feel seen? What would that look like? And could we empower that with technology? Uh, so the technology bit is, is really what started setting us into cooperathon and competing with, as Eugenia said, we were competing with like major AI technological solutions to the savviest of startups. We mm. went into that space being like, we're just here to learn. We're just here to <laughs> learn how to grow an idea. Really? Um, is this something we could do? And we had a five week sprint, uh, which is essentially just every Saturday waking up and asking ourselves, okay, how are we going to design this vision we have? And eventually we had to pitch it and we actually had to start convincing people of our idea. Um, and that meant being able to validate as well from providers. So a big part of not only the people we talk to, whether it's our friends, diverse demographics as well but also we were talking to providers i was talking to family doctor residents i was talking to nurse practitioners i was talking to social workers and resoundingly across the board it was this is a major problem we know we're not doing enough in the healthcare system we know that if we were to actually take it seriously and create that space it could really create major shifts um, in allowing so many people to access the space that currently aren't so that helped because that's our two-sided market it's uh the users um but it's also the providers yeah 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think the other big thing that we discovered along the way, or maybe that we knew, but we uh, sort of found the language for is um, that this isn't just about sex. What we were talking about when we referred to sexual health and sexual wellness is that it's it's not just about um, having sex and and you know the the mechanisms mechanisms and the language around that uh, you know people keep keep asking us even to this day isn't this a niche topic isn't this something that goes under the categories you know for for a, a health clinic we um, discovered different models that already exist around uh, digital health and digital health platforms. Um, and they have, you know, the, 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 in the corner of the website, there will be the sexual health um, space. And, and we just discovered that it's just not enough. It, it's not enough for us to have an open uh, sort of entry point. If you don't have the language, if you don't have, you know, a positive experience already, you are just not going to enter that space. Uh, you might not know what to ask. You might not know um, what you need. That's a key piece that we heard when um, sharing this with our friends, with our families, with our communities is sometimes I don't even know what I should be asking for, right? Like, I'm not sure mm -hmm. how this relates to my health right now. I might not have a clinical need that relates to my sexual health um, at this point. So um, in sort of going through the process of um, validating this as a problem, we, we also discovered that um, it's such a hard topic and that it relates to how we feel about our bodies, how we talk about consent, how, um, you know, we, like Antu said before, how we advocate for ourselves in a really tough healthcare system, uh, mm -hmm. whether you're based in Canada or anywhere else in, uh, anywhere else in the world. Um, it's such a difficult topic, but that does affect um, how we exist in the world and how we feel about ourselves, our autonomy, um, our self-esteem, all mm -hmm. of these key pieces. Um, so it's big. And one big thing too, is that this isn't a topic just for women. That was big, you know, I kept talking to my family and my dad kept saying, oh, this is gonna be great for your mom. This is gonna be great for your aunt or, you know, whatever. And, and I kept trying to drive home the fact that this is something that we all need no matter who you are. Um, I was in a discussion with my uh, brother when we were trying to practice our semifinals pitch when we discovered that <laughs> we have m moved through the faces. Um, and after pitching, you know, the, the pitch that, that you saw Hena uh, online that, that's uh, out on Facebook, um, he said something that really impacted me. He came to the realization that actually that's something that I need, isn't it? That's something that I never thought, but that I should be thinking about. Um, and next time I go to the doctor, I'll be asking these questions. And it's yeah. something that because he got that information, he was able to share then with his uh, partner. You know, he, he kept being the advocate once we spoke about it with um, uh, our family. So even just that moment was a moment of empowerment. And I think this is what speaks to intimidation around sexual health and wellness. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I'm already not, you know, halfway through the race, if I'm already not good enough with my understanding, then why should I try? Why should I? Exactly. Yeah. What? Right? There you go. Like, it's just, yeah. it's the intimidation factor. And it's so we are trying to 
break that down to people. How can we expect people to feel comfortable in allowing sexual health um, and knowledge and awareness be a tool in their toolbox to meet them where they're at? not so that they're that they have to be at level 100 with respect to knowing everything about their body and all of Mm -hmm. the issues but to be like here's a seed (laughs) to plant for your growing knowledge base because let's be honest this is a lifelong process it's a lifelong process to learn who you are what your autonomy looks like with respect to your body but what does healthy relationships look like and i think eugenia was just hinting at that we know that it's not just about you as an individual. It will make you better with respect to the relationships you have. And then that builds healthier communities. And next thing you know, you have dynamic cultural shifts. Like you have revolutions that we've seen, like the mental health and wellness space that we just, you know, are really, a lot of us are now talking about it. We, we now start having the language to talk about it. We want to see that for sexual health and wellness. And when we say spectrum, that truly is trying to capture every living experience. Like it's trying to capture anyone and everyone should be able to have themselves be seen. Um, and and that's because you you want to do this for yourself. You want to be better for yourself. And um, yeah, but those those are the many reasons <laughs> and why we chose to do this. <laughs> no, I, I like how you had brought up the intimidation factor because um, you're right, when you go online, it's just filled with like technical terms and medical terms. And you feel that, okay, if I go to a doctor, I need to reciprocate that language back to them, right? Using this terminology that I'm unfamiliar with in hopes of like, maybe I'll actually get the care that I need. Um, Instead of creating a space where someone is able to use the language that they already have and use their experiences and bring that to a doctor rather than trying to meet a perceived standard. Um, I think you folks are doing a great job in kind of breaking the, the expectation or the unnecessary expectation that we put on ourselves and making it easier for folks to be comfortable in a doctor's office and asking the questions that they need um, and having the doctor understand like, okay, this is the patient, this is their background, and this is how I can best support them through their their journey, essentially. Because it's not just, um, and you spoke earlier, um, uh, Eugenia, that it's not just a one-time transaction. This is a doctor that's going to stay with you for depending on if you'd like the doctor or not. Um, but it's a professional, that, a medical professional that's going to stay with you and really help you through your um, sexual wellness journey, whether that's from accessing um, contraception, whether that's accessing um, certain tests or just like discussions about like consent and sexual health in general. Um, it's really someone that you want to bring into your space and feel comfortable with sharing because yeah, like, <laughs> Going to LPGYN is a very uh, vulnerable experience, laying yourself out there for someone to prod, essentially. Exactly. (laughs) As raw as it sounds. (laughs) Um, But just creating spaces where we can feel comfortable with accessing the the services that we need. Um, So I really love how um, you folks are uh, using Spectrum or, or, or hoping for Spectrum to break down some of those barriers. And Eugenia, I really love that you touched upon that this is a conversation that affects everyone. It's not sexual health and wellness. I think a lot of folks, when they think about it, they tend to think like, oh, this is something that will help uh, femmes and women out there. But no, it's like, we need the male perspective in too. We need diverse perspectives. So no matter how you identify at the end of the day, we're all human and we need sexual health and wellness resources. So I love that you folks are um, 
going a similar route and trying to target all communities and all uh, populations. So I love that. I will also say, Hannah, that you picked up on how doctors are play a key part um, yes. in us learning through this journey. But what we've also identified through Spectrum is who are all the amazing healthcare professionals that when you step into a space, you will interact with. That looks like social workers, that looks like nurses, that looks like nurse practitioners. These are also the very same people that I think you could have those safe dialogues mm -hmm. with. Um, and they can maybe get you to that OBGYN if you needed that. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes, often you're just looking for a space to ask those vulnerable questions um, to in a judgment-free way. Um, and also then want, you know, the crazy part is when you, when you are empowered in one way, all you want to do is share. All you want to mm -hmm. do is tell your friends. Like when I learned about let's say birth control options you know i was like i need to tell all my friends the things that i heard today on this appointment that i had because that's just it though that's the biggest gap we found if you didn't have a friend who was you know being the one to create that open non-judgment free space for you if you weren't so lucky to let's say have a public health person in your bubble i mean where are you gonna go um if you're not having those conversations at home uh, mm -hmm. And then if you're also coming across clinics where what you're seeing is like, you know, do you have an urgent physical sexual health need? That looks mm -hmm. like often what we talk about, like urinary tract infections, like things like that. Um, if it's not urgent, am I really going to go out of my way to talk to someone about a very vulnerable space where there's a lot of intimidation? Probably mm -hmm. not. And so the biggest part with Spectrum is recognizing there are a lot of other people in the healthcare system that can lead you to conversations that you need to have um, with yourself, but also peer-to-peer -peer dialogue is very necessary. So a big part of Spectrum is noting a platform where we can bring community knowledge together mm. and share and learn from each other. Like, did you know that Women's College Hospital has a birth controls like discount? No, not everybody knows this. Mm. This is like valuable information that if I knew it, I would share with like all 10 of my friends but then it just stays there. Um, and so I'm just really hopeful that knowledge is power um, mm -hmm. and, and that's the space that we really want to create. So. Yeah. How do you folks build in that uh, community perspective into your, your into Spectrum? Hmm. Yeah, I, that was important to us from the get-go um, and in our design of the platform and you know, speaking with uh, mentors, we really wanted to make sure that we weren't um, innovating for innovation's sake uh, that we weren't proposing yet another toaster with wi-fi in it just because <laughs> you know um, that it reflected that our innovation reflected the needs of our community so we knew that we had to uh, first and foremost speak uh, to to friends and family to um, you know the diverse uh, folks in our network that had experienced uh, the sexual wellness space um, in many different ways. And we heard, um, you know, perspectives and stories that were painful and that were, um, you know, all about how it has been a challenge and um, a lot of folks that are not getting the care that they need, that they have been judged when they have seek this help, that they have been denied care in the way that they deserve um, and have the right uh, to get because of their sexual orientation or because of um, uh, an accent and perhaps they can't understand um, what is being said to them, whatever that experience might be. 
you know and and we also saw on the other on the other end of things that um, there is an emerging space um, uh, one of our mentors told us told us about the sex tech space which for me was totally new what is this sex tech uh, you know space but for me what I saw is there's a massive gap in between from from zero of I'm not sure what the conversation is about or how to go about um, accessing sexual wellness to a whole community, um, mostly being led by um, old white folks that are already way past the point, that are extremely comfortable, that are looking for um, you know sexual pleasure and perhaps how tech can advance that, which is great. That's fantastic, but there's a whole chunk in the middle that isn't being looked at. And that's what our community was telling us is we're not even ready to, to you know, um, uh, talk about this other uh, uh, piece. We first need to be able to access uh, safe and inclusive spaces. Um, and so that's what Spectrum set out to do is to, to provide, given that we're all in isolation right now, given that we're going to be existing in this digital space from here on out, um, can we provide a digital platform where we can have these conversations in an open, honest and inclusive um, way and where we can access uh, the care that we need once we understand uh, what those needs are. Um, the other piece that was important was one of our other mentors was adamant that we think about um, the different intersections. How does someone with an intersectional identity come to this topic? How might we design for people with disabilities, for people uh, with different languages, uh, for you know my immigrant community, uh, where we might not see ourselves reflected in in this topic? Where if I don't have an OHIP card, where do I go? Um, right. So uh, we were always uh, balancing um, the 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 profit piece, the uh, the sustainability model, uh, you know, and all of these things that you're pushed to do through a social innovation competition, through a hackathon, um, versus the access point um, as well. And I think that was important uh, to us um, in the process. I definitely love to shed the fact that it surprised us how much. Um, our idea uh, cut through the noise of the largest open innovation challenge in, in Canada um, to be up against, as I said, the highest of tech uh, solutions, people who are already full fledged startups. And Eoheni and I thought of this idea as of two and a half months ago um, to have been pitching and visioning while at the same time trying to be as loyal as we can to the stories we've heard and to our communities, which isn't just, let me slap together a website. Um, mm -hmm. Let me put together a few providers who can come and talk about this. It's, it's about an iterative process. So it's about constantly going back to the drawing board because we know that if we want to eventually appeal to as many people with as many intersecting identities, we need to keep on being like, okay, we didn't get that right. There, there's this is this other experience that they're having how do we reframe and go back to the drawing board so this is not as easy because sometimes people are looking for bang bang boom this is your idea this is how you're going to get some profit this is your website this is how you're going to get running off the ground and we're like hold up hold up we want to do this 
thing, <laughs> this, this thing that we're talking about this entire podcast, um, right. We know we may not get it right off the bat. We may miss some identities. We may, we may do that. We know that harm ultimately can be inflicted even though it's unintentional. But at the same time, we want to start somewhere. We want to bring our communities along. And that's a big part of building that knowledge, building this model that we want to put online with those communities. So using community-based participatory action research, for example, we want to bring to light these different identities. And we want to be open about the fact that we may not get it right right away, and that this is going to take the power of community, the power of people holding us accountable, because I have my experience, Eugenia has her own experience, but there's a billion more. <laughs> um, and if we if we just are honest about what it will take, um, then we hope that many people will be open with us, will share with us what we may be missing. Um, but we want to start somewhere. Um, perfection can't be uh, the thing that stops us because we know that this need is here and now. And that was the most beautiful thing about Spectrum that truly shocked us, I will say, is we never expected, by the way, to, to win this social innovation competition. Like you have to understand, like we, we went in this with the idea to learn from some mentors, to have some devoted time to build out an idea, let alone get through all the stages and then win $10,000, which is effectively our very first investment um, in, in building uh, what we hope to be a social enterprise. But mm -hmm. what we found is that once we were in many ways, almost forcibly had to put our idea out there. Like it was just between Eugenia and I, we were like, yeah, we think this is great in our heads. That's fine. But then when we saw people respond to the video that Hannah, you saw, and I'd love to hear your reactions to it, which was our three minute, this is the problem. This is our solution. We saw an amazing response. We saw people from across the world. I'm talking from El Salvador to Malaysia to Bangladesh to Labrador City messaging us being like, this is so important. People of people that were watching the video that we had no idea about relaying to us how seen they felt, how critical of a gap this was to fill. And that was it. Like We had our market validation research, as I said, by talking to providers and, and our family and friends. But then when we saw globally <laughs> how many people wanted this, we were like, OK, now now we actually have to build this and we, we need to do it with our communities. And we hope we hope in many ways um, Open Rise TO is, is going to be one of those communities. So. Hannah, over to you, because we are so curious as to how this beautiful harmonization of open wide TO happened while also like spectrum is happening too. So how did you folks decide uh, to focus on sexual health and wellness? Yeah, um, so for us, um, open wide TO falls under, or originally um, was developed under uh, the RISE project from Apathy is Boring. Um, and for our cohort, our topic was gender inclusion. So we wanted to look into um, different topics that fall under gender inclusion. And when we were developing this project, one of the first things that we had to do was actually um, identify which areas we cared about. Um, so we had uh, a retreat, we had ideas, uh, a whole like piece of chart paper in between. This is the time, this was back in September. So it was the only time that we actually met in person. 
um, <laughs> with all the masks on everything, um, but just had markers and like sticky notes and doing votes. And we ultimately decided that we wanted to talk about um, gender inclusion under the intersection of uh, BIPOC communities and healthcare, because those are two um, areas that we really want to focus on. But admittedly, those are like two massive areas. Um, so we're like, okay, under the umbrella of healthcare, what do we really want to focus in on? And that's where we had our first community consultation, where we approached members of the community. We had Zoom calls, we had um, an anonymous survey that folks could fill out, and just really asking like, hey, what do you folks need in the healthcare system? And admittedly, I thought, yeah, mental health, that's something that's going to be like a very big concern and people are going to put down responses for that. But when we actually look through all of the, the responses and the dialogue and the the conversation we had in the that Zoom call, a lot of folks identified sexual health and wellness as being an area that they needed support in because they knew like where to turn to for like physical health care support. They had a good understanding as to where they could start about having a conversation about mental health. But when it came to sexual health and wellness, they're like, I have nothing. Like high school, university education hasn't really taught me much. Um, a lot of the folks that we, we talked to were from immigrant backgrounds and conversation about sexual health and wellness is like an absolute no-no. It's not something you just bring out um, on a casual Sunday in the conversation with like your parents or your siblings. Um, it's very much something that you keep to yourselves. And if you don't have that supportive friend or supportive network where you can openly share the resources um, and gems that you find online or whether through it's um, a conference, a lot of times you're not going to get that support. So we realized that, oh, wow, actually, this is a massive concern. And for me, this was not an area I was expecting to go. Um, but I also connecting my experience was like, yeah, I know nothing about sexual wellness at all. Like taking the sex part of it out, I don't even know like reproductive care, like that entire conversation, absolutely know nothing about. Um, and this was similar to you folks both back in mid-October was when we had um, that realization that, yeah, this is a huge gap in our healthcare system. So we were like, okay, how can we bring, or how can we like start to break this gap and kind of make it a, a topic that folks are comfortable with talking about, or even if they can't talk about it, they at least engage and they get some interest, right? Because we can't expect everyone to going from like no knowledge whatsoever to like being experts, right? That's not a, a reasonable expectation we can have on folks. Um, what we hope to instill, and that's why we decided to go with a podcast platform, was to share the experiences, share the challenges that folks are going that are within our community and pushing ideas and pushing um, companies or businesses that can support you in your sexual health and wellness journey, right? So whether it's reforming the education system, whether it's actually going to those clinics or those um, counseling centers for assistance, or for Spectrum's case, um, going online and connecting with um, folks regarding healthcare in uh, a community-based field. So yeah, that's how Open Wide CEO, yeah, really uh, came about. And the reason why we called ourselves Open Wide CEO was because we just wanted to be open. We wanted to um, have these genuine conversations where we talk about topics that are like, they are uncomfortable topics. Um, admittedly, if you listen to uh, some of the previous episodes, yeah, those are topics I would never have expected to have, but there are very um, important topics to discuss and to be open. So that's why we decided open YTO. 
and uh, very similar to you too. Uh, we saw a lot of interest. Admittedly, we we can only we only have the capacity to really focus on Toronto right now, but we saw that there was interest province-wide, nationwide. We haven't reached the international stage yet, um, but focusing locally right now um, is our, our main priority right now, but hopefully with the resources and with um, more support, we can go nationally. So yeah, that's open wide to you. <laughs> That's Beautiful. so exciting. Uh, it, it truly is for us uh, to hear that they're, um, the community is asking for this. You know, this isn't something that we just made up, that we just stumbled upon, that it's uh, in fashion right now to talk about. Exactly. It's something that is uh, super important. Um, and, you know, this is our call to action is we are in the process of building this community, of building this uh, space to reflect us to reflect our experiences. Um, and so uh, we'll definitely be listening into the episodes to come uh, to, to hear what are other people um, you know, going through, what's important and how do we build this space uh, to reflect that, uh, to be open and to be honest uh, and to be um, as inclusive as we can make it um, uh, and just building it together with so many different people uh that are keen to share their energy and their experiences uh yeah i can't wait <laughs> and i'm so excited yeah. <laughs> i think it's so amazing because as eugenia says like you can feel the energy in this conversation because when we heard about open yto we were like is it just me or is the sexual revolution here in 2020 it's like, happening <laughs> i mean that's the best part when you know that everywhere you're everywhere you want to look you can find someone who is ready to also build a world where it works for you we want to build the world that works for us right and i think mm -hmm. it's amazing that we get to join forces here um but i'm i'm just so excited because i'll give a little bit of a nerdy side of the things that i'm Go coming from like <laughs> as the public health random here um i will say i studied health promotion the you know the concept of what are the tools, the language that you need to effectively cater programming policy for the communities in which it serves. Um, and, you know, just me and my grad school pals, we we just thought, you know, we're, we're the nerds who clearly spent thousands of dollars studying this. Um, but what has been so amazing to see is the fact that health promotion, the concept again of what are the language and tools that I need um, to navigate quite frankly, a really hard uh, medical system is something that now people are talking about. People are putting, they're not saying the word health promotion particularly, um, but what's been fascinating is since COVID, I have never seen so many people actually care about one another's health as like the forefront of their day-to-day -day conversations. Um, we are having this new space being created where we are looking forward to talking about health and we are looking forward to putting the language to what that means for us. So I can be standing here and know what my language and tools are, but I may want to be at point B. So how can I, what, what do I have to do to mind the gap? What do I have to build for myself? What is the community that I can go to? And this is what excites me because people are like, what are the tools in my toolbox? And how do I find what I need? And I think that is 
a revolution in itself. It is a behavior change that you see everywhere. And what's been amazing is not just seeing people who have that patient experience, but we're also seeing providers providers many providers responding to our video being like how can i sign up i'm a midwife i'm i'm ready to help uh in engaging what i know from a provider experience but i also want to close that gap because i know that currently our healthcare system is failing us in closing that gap i know so many people don't even get to that conversation piece because they're not even entering that space um, and that's that's the beauty of what Spectrum has shown us is that this vision in itself, it has been the market validation we needed, but it's also been like, wow, we have visionaries alongside with us. And so that's that's how we're so excited. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is a project that is driven by the community um, and the fact that people are being more comfortable about recognizing that this is a gap and willing to um, support small businesses, small um, companies in actually creating the resources that they need. So I definitely love how you folks are integrating and putting like that community element as the forefront. Um, and you're essentially like building that support network that many of us are fortunate to have and some might not be. Um, so I love that you are taking both the gaps in like the healthcare, but also in our communities um, and bridging the two through Spectrum. I think it'd be awesome, Henna, if you had a few TikToks around um, sexual health and wellness. That is how we envision Spectrum mm -hmm. as the knowledge products mm -hmm. that we get to produce. I see them as the things that people resonate with. Give me the TikToks, give me the infographics, give me the give me all the knowledge, but that really, again, tells our story. And I think that's why OpenYTO is so special because you are leading this revolution with people's stories. Um, and that's exactly why I think this is a great future partnership, just FYI. Um, <laughs> we, we will stay in touch. Stay in touch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, uh... Oh, there was another question I want. Oh, actually, um, you folks both mentioned that this has been a journey of two going on three months, correct? Indeed. So in this in this journey, uh, you folks have definitely um, have learned a lot and likely have also unlearned. Um, but there was there anything in your journey um, regarding just learning about sexual health and wellness that really was like, wow, I like this is awesome that I know this now or like, wow, this is like disheartening or this is like um, something I wasn't aware was um, like an important issue or a topic. I can jump in and just say that we, we, we believe in many ways that the Canadian healthcare system is, is decent. Like it's decent. We know it's decent compared to a lot of different healthcare systems. Um, however, what we also know is that there is a deep rooted medical violence within the way the Canadian medical system operates for people of the Indigenous um, identity, people who are racialized, we don't always feel so safe. And so recognizing that we are working alongside communities to also break down that medical violence that is often intergenerational. There is a lack of trust um, with all, just immediately going to the medical system. Um, we see that now with the conversation around COVID vaccinations, right? We see people being like, I don't know. Um, the Black community has had a lot of trauma from historically 
and being forcibly vaccinated and many, many rippling effects from that. We see the same thing with forced sterilization of Indigenous women. Um, we know that these behaviors are not something we can dismiss just because we're in 2020 and that we come with this accountability to break apart what that trauma looks like and use that to be like, how can we be better? But how can we still acknowledge that there is all this work to do? Um, we're not, again, as I said, we're, we're not always going to get it right, <laughs> right away. Um, and we're actually dealing with quite a lot in terms of the ripple effects. Um, and we need to be able to build trust. And I think that's why Spectrum is trying to do that with communities first. Like, please trust us first and, and then let's work together. Um, but it's tough because sometimes we don't expose Canada's deep, dark histories in the medical system because we we often just look to it as this like golden um, valued prize that we have as Canadians who get to live here. Um, and we often compare ourselves mm. to the US and that's a downward comparison and we need to definitely stop doing yeah. that <laughs> because we should be doing an upward comparison. It's more harmful than helpful. Exactly. So harm is, harm is um, something we have become very aware of even more so uh, that you can't just decide, okay, I'm going to create a digital platform and I'm going to talk about sexual health and wellness and people are going to be with it. That's uh, unfortunately not how it works. You need to recognize um, history. History does repeat itself. Um, and and we, we want to be able to understand that better with our communities for sure. I love that. Um, that's so powerful. And for me, I think the positive uh, learning that I that I had after this, uh, more so the social innovation journey, is that we don't have to wait for someone else that is more qualified, more capable, more experienced, whatever that might be, to design solutions for us. Um, that if we don't design uh, what we want to see ourselves, it's just not going to happen. And we have the power. The two of us, you know, young, racialized immigrant <laughs> uh, women were able to co-design, not just by ourselves, but with our communities, um, something that is going to change the way we interact with this key issue. Right. And we had the power to do that. Uh, and we we're starting that journey. We're keeping going. Um, but it was so important to realize for me that we can get it done, that if we take action, um and we do it together it's possible and it's so powerful exactly and i and i just want to touch a little bit more on the point of allowing someone who is more knowledgeable civilizing or like has um more expertise to lead the conversation or to lead the idea um but I've been in that position where I'm like, oh, this is like a really interesting topic or a really um, interesting idea. I want to dig a little bit deeper, but I don't feel confident in this space. I feel like this is not the space for me. So I'm okay with letting someone else take the lead. Um, and then they take the idea, they go off, they run with it. And then I look back and realize, wow, you've not like highlighted any of my like experiences, any of my background. Like I can no longer connect with you because I don't see myself there. Um, and I've been a victim of that countless times, right? There's so many ideas, so many projects that I've said no to because I'm like, oh, I'm not like knowledgeable enough. I don't have the right words. I don't have the skills to be a part of that conversation. And that only ends up hurting me more because then an idea gets created that 
I can't connect with, that I know people in my background or people who shared similar experiences as me, they can no longer connect with it. Um, so I love how a lot of folks, especially youth now, are trying to get their voices heard, right? Trying to get themselves into the picture, fitting in and recognizing that, hey, I don't need to be like the most knowledgeable person. I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to unlearn, and I'm here and willing to share my experiences. And that is all that is expected of me and all that I can provide and that should be okay. And that is okay, right? So we don't need to be um, like the, the top students or the, I don't, I don't know what the right word for it. Like we don't have to be like the number one person in the field in order for an idea to happen, right? Something like Spectrum, something like OpenYTO is literally just a group of friends, a group of colleagues coming together, recognizing this is a pro problem, getting the community support and putting the two together, that's how projects happen, right? I'm definitely not uh, an expert whatsoever in talking about sexual wellness. I'm still learning, I'm still making mistakes, um, but do my best to learn and unlearn and continue on this journey. So for anyone who is um, listening in in a smart position where you want to start your own project or you wanna back an idea and support it, go for it, do it, take that risk because these supports um, can only benefit really if we hear your voice and your perspective. So we appreciate you, Antu um, and Eugenia, for taking the, the leap, right? Taking your ideas, especially in a hackathon with like the big tech companies that you mentioned earlier um, and not letting imposter syndrome really like, get mm. to you. Maybe it has, I don't know, um, but you've like come across, come so far in like two, three months um, and have an, have an idea. and. I'm so excited. Like I genuinely like want the best. I want to see Spectrum become like a household name, a household app that people are like, hey, I need to, like I'm looking for resources in this area. And someone's like, oh, have you heard of Spectrum? <laughs> like sharing it as if it's like an app that people should just have on their phone. Casual, casual, casual. Yeah. <laughs> I love what you said, Hannah. I think the, the reflexivity um, that this generation gets to have, which is, you know, looking inward, asking ourselves, what can we offer to this world so that we can leave it a little bit better than how we entered it. Um, we don't need to be the experts in changing every single thing, because let's be honest, you only have 24 hours in a day. And I think a lot of us, we put a lot of expectation when we think, okay, we're going to achieve this thing. We're going to get it done. And Eugenia, we're very, we were very much like, you know, we're just going to learn stuff, like whatever, just learn stuff. There's no, no one's grading us. No one's expecting us to deliver something. We were just competing with ourselves <laughs> and we were trying to, I think, put out what we felt we could offer to the world. And I truly do encourage anyone out there, just just go after it. Like, look at Henna right here, like having these eloquent conversations about sexual health and wellness. You sound like an expert is all I can say. And uh, and there's there is something to be said about faking it until you make it. I, Definitely. I, yeah. I, I, I like cannot tell you how much Eohenia and I to still are. still are we're there but we're honest about it we're like hey we don't know everything but if mm -hmm. you know something someone who's listening out there that could help us then grow with us you know and i also think there is enough of amazing things we can all do to go around 
Like there really is. You don't just have to pick one issue and everyone has to be behind that issue and then there's no space left for you. Like you can create your own space and then you can have people join forces with you. And that's essentially how Spectrum started. Um, and so I think that's beautiful, Hannah. And the relearning and unlearning is absolutely um, the headspace that I think is the only way I think you can let your creativity uh, flow out because that's why we're so shocked. We're like, oh, wow, we actually won this competition. Okay, mm. um, all right, that happened. And we're still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that, that was us on uh, episode launch day where we, um, for anyone who's listening, the hour before we officially launched the episode, we went on Instagram Live. And to be quite honest, I wasn't expecting much. I wasn't expecting a lot of engagement. I wasn't expecting a lot of folks to to turn up. Um, but we had like a, a really engaged audience, right? People were interested. Uh, Antu was part of the audience there. Uh, she, was, she was hyping up uh, one of our, the, the um, Shaz who is leading our Instagram live. And just seeing that, wow, this idea, like it has an impact, right? Mm -hmm. it, doesn't necessarily need to be groundbreaking, revolutionary, change the world in the day um, impact. But it's like, if this helps one person today and maybe another person next week, that is like, we're helping two solid people, right? And that is a huge impact already because we don't know what they're going to do with that knowledge, with that resource bank, right? They could be taking the information that they learned out of this podcast or from listening for, to our guests and share that with a close friend, share that with their partner, actually um, use information regarding consent and having those conversations with a partner, right? We have no idea how, like numbers can only tell us so much. It's the stories and the experiences and the validation that folks get that is really more meaningful and is really what we should strive if you are coming up with a project or idea. So hmm. oftentimes you kind of don't see those experiences as being like the forefront we're admittedly human and numbers make us happy, but recognizing that it's experiences that are worthwhile and meaningful and those are um, what we should be targeting. It's a human yeah. connection. It's a human connection. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. If this year has taught us anything. Um, Definitely. Definitely. Hold on to the human connection. episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to connect further with Atu or Eugenia, you can check them out on LinkedIn or on their personal Twitters. Antu's handle is at AntuHossein1. That is A-N-T-U-H-O-S-S-A-I-N and the number one. And uh, Eugenia's handle is at OchoaEU, which is O-C-H-O-A-E-U. If you want to stay up to date on the podcast and be notified as to when we release our next episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at OpenWideTeal. As well, if you enjoyed today's music, be sure to follow Sophia Fly over at DJ Sophia Fly. That's Sophia with an F. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review and rate us. But other than that, we will see you in the next episode. Stay tuned and peace. Peace.